the following has been brought to you by SJP World Media. What? You're listening to In the Corner with Benny Mac. Unfiltered, uncensored, and unforgiving. Here's the man in the corner, Benny Mac. Welcome back to In The Corner. Welcome back to SJP World Media. Appreciate you very much hitting that download button and joining me once again here on uh, the SJP World Media podcasting network thingy, whatever it's called. I should know that. I should have got it right because today, not only do we have Tyler, Tyler is back with me. How are you doing, buddy? I am doing great, Benny. I'm excited about this show. And as always, it's always a tremendous honor to be in the corner with Benny Matt. Thank you very much. And the boss man is here, Mr. SJP himself. Sai, how are you doing, man? I, I'm doing very well, boys. I'm doing very well. All this, the boss man stuff has got to stop. <laughs> it, it, uh, okay, in that <laughs> I, case, then. I appreciate the kind words, but yeah. <laughs> in that case, then, this is the most... Well, e- I'm just sucking up. That's all. Yeah, that's, all that's all we're doing, Zai. But when that pay, when that money starts rolling in, man, we're we're waiting for it, man. That's what we're waiting for. Um, <laughs> Trust me, I'm waiting for it too. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, me too. Either that, I what I was going to say was they're probably the most evilest tag team in history. Sai and Ty, indeed, they are evil, and they're on the in the corner podcast. <laughs> Sorry, I am. I, I'm, I'm very bad. That is, that's great. <laughs> Let's market that. Trade market. I want it on T-shirts. That's how the money's going to come. I tell you what, Sai, you've got to start yeah. making some T-shirts for this show, man, honestly. <laughs> you got more pull than me. Mine didn't sell at all. And the uh, Scone Wars ones I did, Sai, ended up getting taken down because Disney said I had to take them down. Because <laughs> of the Star Wars thing. It's unbelievable. Oh, and that's not even got, fake story. At least, got, at least you got noticed by Disney, Yeah, friend. but no that's money, awesome. man. No money at all. Yeah, that's the thing. <laughs> well... I worked it out today. Um, this is like a, this isn't your bog standard in the corner. This is like a special episode which we do on occasion. So um, technically not episode thirty six, but um, what I did look at earlier, I've, this is actually the fortieth episode of In the Corner, even though it's wow. not the daily, you know, the daily one or the weekly one. Sorry, but overall, wow. this is the fortieth episode of In the Corner. So um, thank you to you guys for jumping in and. Having a chat with me, basically, over about some uh, raw being thirty years old. So, oh man, you're very welcome. Years, thirty years of Monday Night Raw absolutely blows my mind. I mean, before we uh, before we jump in, I just want a a little bit of a, a clarity for everyone. Uh, people may have heard it on other shows on SJP World Media as well, but next door's cat has a habit of going to sleep in my bedroom he doesn't bloody live here okay right but when it gets cold he decides to come upstairs and go to sleep in my bedroom and he goes dead weight and you can't move the bugger so if you and, and he he purrs and snores crazy loud all he's right currently on, he's, on, he's on my lap and i can't move him so if there's a funny noise that's what it is so <laughs> it's I not you farting then. <laughs> no it's not, it's not. <laughs> oh, no, no. i think it's great uh, well, I appreciate you both coming on. We're going to talk. We're just literally, I mean, we were talking via the DMs and stuff, but I kept mentioning things. And so I was like, stop, I've got too many on the list. Um, <laughs> for the next sort of 25 minutes or so, we'll just try and what we can remember off the top of our heads. I mean, sorry, first off, did you see the episode of Raw this week, Out of Curiosity? I, I did. It's the first episode of Raw I have watched in quite a while. And I found that 
uh well, well basically the, the way i keep up to date with modern day wwe there's two main ways okay one is on social media people posting things and clips and yeah. i suppose youtube links and so on and secondly via this this great show that you, you and ty put on you are literally my link to modern day wwe oh, i haven't got the time to watch three hours of raw I, I haven't got the time to watch two hours of smackdown um I, I'm, I'm i've got a lot going on myself anyway of with course yeah to recordings and the network and all that sort of all that sort of gump you know i've, I've got a, a job and i've got a wife and children so there's a lot so there's a lot of yeah a lot of hours to try and fit into the week there's not enough there's not enough time in in the seven days yeah definitely. so you keep me up to date with what's going on in the in the world of wwe and i found that watching this episode of raw i i, I was brought back in for this episode because it's the anniversary show and you had all the legends returning and so on so that was my hook i wanted to see flair i wanted to see, i want to see the old guys and it turns out that listening to your show and the little bits and bobs i get from social media yeah is kind of all i need because i was up to date on every bloody uh storyline every oh, okay. angle every match and i didn't have to watch every week so first of all that's a testament to you two fellas thank you very much for that but secondly you know it's also a testament i think and the tv ratings this week show it the old boys are still a draw aren't they yeah definitely yeah yeah they are what do you think of it oh, we won't go into a raw review or anything we're going to do that tomorrow on the show with with our raw rumble predictions and stuff but what just quickly ty what do you think of the episode uh, i enjoyed it i i was uh there's something nostalgic about when you bring the legends out and uh i thought they they did it you know did a nice job just from my perspective so i liked it my only negative, which we'll get into, we'll, we'll, we'll probably get it. It ain't going to take long. My only drawback for me was the fact that the cage match didn't happen. Now, I understand this because the Roman Reigns, uh, you know, the trial thing, which was originally meant to be an appreciation thing. It changed to a trial for Sami Zayn, right. which, which, by the way, for me personally, was one of the best segments of the freaking night. And I find, fantastic. And I find myself, for the, I was talking to a mate earlier, NGB, a friend of the show, who was on my very first episode here when we did Money in the Bank. Um, for the first time in probably a decade, I am emotionally invested in the Sami Zayn bloodline story. And Sami Zayn has done so much for me for that group. And I'm like, how can you still be making this guy jump through hoops, you know? But I mean, the cage match allegedly was put off because this segment went long, which is a shame. But at the same time, it was a bloody good segment. Mm, yeah, oh, I it was fantastic. Yeah, I, I think it's. Uh, I, I think it was absolutely, you know, just brilliant television. Uh, and with with regards to WWE, it, it is, it's sports entertainment as opposed to wrestling, isn't it? Let's be honest. It, yes, it, yeah. It, it, it is its own brand, its own take on professional wrestling. It's a style, isn't it? Of if you yes. look at other things, yeah, it's probably it the best way yes. to say it. Yeah. And, and you know, Vince McMahon very famously in that documentary of beyond the mat, I think it was called, uh, sat there and said, we tell stories and that's exactly what they're doing. Uh, and Sami Zayn to me is, is one of the best characters on wrestling television in the last yeah. year. And Easily. that scene, that, that whole segment, the whole storytelling with, with one half of the Usos standing up for him and all that sort of stuff. And again, we don't, I won't dive into it too much, Benny, because I appreciate you and Tyler are going to cover it uh, yeah, of on the next episode. It's nice but... to hear your point of view, mate, because obviously you don't watch it as much. I have to I watch it because it's part of the show. I said on mm -hmm. my podcast the other day, if I could sit down and watch every wrestling show and be paid for it, freaking sign me the check and I'll freaking do it. But there's oh, only so many hours in the week. like so. But yeah, it's, yeah uh, let, let's all get it was superb. Yeah. <laughs> It was it was just fantastic television, brilliant storytelling, and yes, it is a shame that they ran out of time for for another segment. But that's kind of what happens with live TV, you know. And you can plan as much mm -hmm. as you like, 
but these guys were getting a good crowd reaction i'm assuming because it was the opening of the show and roman reigns mm-hmm. is it, it, on their regular roster i mean you exclude the likes of of lesnar and so on from that to me i think yeah, on their yeah. regular roster reigns is the biggest name they have yeah. sammy Zayn is currently in my opinion my very you know uneducated outside looking in opinion sammy Zayn is the best character they've got on television at the moment I imagine the ratings in that first segment were higher than the rest of the show. I can't say for certain, but if it's if it's getting ratings and it's getting a great crowd reaction, I'm I'm okay with them cutting a match that they could easily do on SmackDown or Raw next week. Well, I'm hoping it makes it to the Rumble, but I haven't heard anything yet. So, as I sit here talking to you guys, but uh, it's just a shame, really. That's my only negative. The uh, over, like I said, we'll cover that tomorrow on Thursday because we're going to do a Thursday show talking Rumble and Raw, basically leading to the Rumble this Saturday. So, um, but we're mainly here. Got Cy in, luckily, second time of booking, but we got him. Uh, <laughs> but we got. I'm assuming you've both got lists of uh, favorite Raw moments. Um, Tyler, I'll swing it to you first. Throw one our way, and we'll discuss. You know, what's one of your not saying not going to what's one of your favorite moments of Monday Night Raw so far since you've been watching? When did you start watching, actually, Tyler? I actually started watching probably uh, pre-attitude era, to be honest. Probably when it first launched, I, w- I was r- very young, but I can remember when it was Undertaker's he main evented against Damian Demento. I mean, going that far back when it was Macho Man Randy Savage with Vince McMahon, and I forget, I can't recall the other guy that was commentating, but I mean, it goes back that far. So it's uh, it's really wild to see all the changes throughout the different eras. But but one moment I'm actually fast forwarding to is when uh, Vince purchased. WCW. It's when him and Kurt Angle were in the ring and he was cutting this promo. It was Charlotte, North Carolina. So I brought up his name already. It was when Ric Flair came out and he revealed that he was the co-owner of the World Wrestling Federation yeah. back then. I, I believe it. You guys can help me out. Was it Shane and Stephanie that sold their shares in storyline right. to Rick? And, yeah, and he came right, out. Yeah. And this is when, when Vince was going to introduce the NWO. And then shortly after that, we got Eric Bischoff. I don't want to give away too much, but it, it all ties <clears> in. And it just, it was such a side, even though Flair had been there in the early 90s, he had been so associated with, you know, the Crockett territory, WCW. And also World Wrestling Federation, and to see the confrontation, it was just magical to see Flair and McMahon exchange barbs because they were both so good at promos, anyways. And just knowing that real life uh, tension and, and history, even though their relationship has been good, I'm sure it's had its moments, uh, just spoke volumes to me. So that that was a memory that stood out. I mean, I know Sai is a massive Ric Flair fan, um, so but for me, this was the actual. I know who Ric Flair was. Bearing in mind, this is what two thousand and one near the, and they've um, or no, was it two? It was it? Yeah, it would have been the end of two thousand one because yes, I, I I started watching in two thousand, so I knew who Ric Flair was. Never seen him wrestle, so when he came out, I was like, "Holy shit, that's Ric Flair!" But other than that, that was my real first experience with Ric Flair coming out as the co-owner of the World Wrestling Federation. So <laughs> it was a big moment. What, what a moment! Yeah, it was. Any thoughts on that one, Sai? Or. Did you, did you uh, remember yeah, it? Uh, yeah, I mean, that whole era, I loved. I, I thought it was fantastic. And it was, um, it, Benny, you'll, pop, you'll know more than I. So if I get this wrong, I apologize. But I think our replay was on a Thursday night at the time um, on Sky Sports. I think it was like nine something o'clock. Something like that. Or I, I remember, oh, hang on, no. It, uh, so Raw, actually, no, Raw was, it, well, when I started watching, Raw was on... Um, so I don't, I don't think they showed it. They, like now you can like I, I, the other night I actually watched Raw 30. I actually watched Raw live for the first time in God knows how long. 
um, that I watched it on BT Sports. That's what it's on now. But um, yes. I uh, yeah, I think it was Raw was on a Friday and SmackDown was on a Saturday over here on Sky at one point before it became actually being broadcast live. I think I could be okay. wrong on that. I but I remember watching it early on Friday and Saturdays. Now whether those were just repeats or whether they were actually being broadcast live at stupid o'clock in the morning, I have no idea. To be honest with you. <laughs> okay. Now I I remember the first house I I owned. Uh, well, the only house I've actually owned, owned. But the first house I owned, I remember a Thursday evening was my late finish at work, and I would get in half an hour before Monday Night Raw. Now, though, don't get me wrong. They might have changed back, it, to be fair. This is going back 20-odd years ago. But it, I remember it being, I think it was a Thursday night, 9 o'clock, Raw was on. So it was literally a case of I'd get in from work, have my tea, and it would be on. So I would be watching Raw every single week then, whether it was good, bad, or indifferent. Yeah. And that, that era of the invasion angle and then flair coming out afterwards and then the nwo and, and all that sort of stuff and then flair and mcmahon facing off i, I was all about that i love that because these, these are faces that i remembered from from wcw and before and i just thought the storytelling was just was superb back then yeah. I, mean, I, I know the invasion gets a lot of grief and people criticize it but I, I didn't think it was too bad i personally liked it but then you're thinking i'm only a year in at this point so i don't necessarily know all the people that could have been there looking retrospect i still like the invasion angle it's a shame yes we could have had sting and goldberg and all that but mm. you know overall you know i think it was pretty good um, it ended when it needed to end i think it was a, ni- a nice long it was a nice stint to have it yes it could have been a lot better but to be fair it could have been a lot worse i think so i, I enjoyed oh, it yeah. personally um go on, yeah i thought it was pretty good too yeah it's cool we, we're gonna have to talk about invasion at some point um but uh, go on inside you. What, what have you got on your list that you want to share oh, with us? Oh goodness! I mean, there's there's obvious ones, isn't there? That everyone talks about. There's obvious ones that everyone everyone is aware of. And I've tried to steer clear of those because so many people talk about. I mean, one for me that, that I have got there's an obvious one is Foley winning the title in '98. That that reaction, the crowd, and uh, and Austin coming out, and all that great stuff. Yeah, it was, it was a try- cool moment. It was a very cool moment. Oh, yeah, yeah. I tried to steer clear of a lot of the obvious ones like Austin and, and all that. I've gone for ones that are personal to me, really. And uh, one that stands out... Well, okay, there's there's two that stand out straight away. They were the first things I listed when I, when I started thinking about this. The first one is actually going way back to 93. And one of the first episodes of Raw I caught, because I'm old enough to remember when it bloody started. Um, <laughs> uh, well, <laughs> no, co- no comment, no comment. We're waiting for the check. So, yeah, yeah you're not old. You're not old. <laughs> Thanks, mate. <laughs> uh, and that was probably the first, the first really good match that Monday Night Raw had. And we had a loser leaves the WWF contest between Ric Flair and Mr. Perfect. And even now, you know, 30 years later, if you go back and watch that match, it still stands up today. And Flair had given his notice, he wanted to head back to WCW, so they, they had this this contest, and Mr. Perfect was the babyface, and obviously he won that match. I remember watching that and as a kid, not really twigging what was going on yeah. with the whole contract mm. and Flair leaving and so on. I'm thinking, oh my God, Flair's done. What's going to happen? Because I was completely bought into it at that point. Yeah. But the first one that really stood out to me, and it's one that I still go back to all the time now, and it's one of my favourite times in professional wrestling, because I'm a huge Shawn Michaels mark, as everyone knows. Flair and Michaels are the two. Yeah, me. yeah. When Shawn came back in 2002, and he was oh, attacked in the car park. That was a great segment. And we had... Oh, it whole, was awesome. 
Triple H trying to search who it was, and we're, and it was a big who done it. And I remember sitting there watching. I'm bearing in mind, in this at this point, I'm in my twenties at this stage. I'm sat there thinking, who has done this? What's happened? Yeah. And I didn't for a second think this was going to lead to Michaels coming back and wrestling. I, I, I thought this was going to lead to Triple H wrestling on Shawn Michaels' behalf. Yeah, yeah, which makes and sense. Then, yeah, yeah, and then we get the. The, the the famous line of Michaels when he's sat in the he's, I think he's in a wheelchair and he's, he's via a satellite link from his home and he's busted up and all this and and the security footage depixelizes and you can see the silhouette of you know the game stood there in his denim jacket and all that uh, leather jacket sorry and all that sort of stuff and we get the line from Sean of it was you Hunter yeah yes I can still I even know what shirts uh, H I think he was wearing scars and stripes t-shirt when he sat down right. with that blood still on his like the grazes and stuff from the window and yes the video yes. package at SummerSlam before the match is tells the story brilliantly that depixelization of Triple H being stood there what was quite I noticed weirdly at the time was when they depixelated it I believe Triple H in the car park was wearing a white t-shirt but now he's in the ring, he's wearing a black t-shirt, but it's the same logo on it. So yes. weirdly, good guy, bad guy sort of vibe I had. I was like, I don't know if, as soon as I saw that, uh, I didn't have to depixelate it, to be honest. You knew it was Triple no, H no. the way he stood, <laughs> but it was so dramatic and so the, freaking cool. Um, the, the, the biggest moment of that, though, for me, again, even, even at this point in my early 20s, huge Shawn Michaels fan since the days of the Rockers and, and all this. I was probably the only guy in the UK that cheered in October of 92 when he beat the Bulldog um, <laughs> was when Sean leant, Sean leant forward and said the doctors have said I should be okay by SummerSlam yeah and I remember sitting in my girlfriend at the time's house and basically coming out of my armchair and thinking oh oh my goodness surely not I love and moments it, like just from a personal level just that that really stands out I think that's the point with these raw moments is that they are personal to yourselves. So, you know, I'm yours might be different to mine. They're all good, I think. I think they're all going to be, like, spot on in, like, yes, those are cl- uh, classic moments. But uh, there's, there, we like them for different reasons, I think. So, and you know, mm-hmm. but they're all, I think, if yeah. we were to... Sorry, go on, Tyler. No, I, I was disagreeing. I, I think you guys are right on the money. I mean, I think they speak to us different ways, but they're they're all going to be so good. Yeah, I mean... I'm looking at one right now, but I'm not going to say so. But for me, one of my top moments, and I I still get goosebumps watching it. The the JR um, calling the uh, the um, the action and the just everything that went into this match um, is when Chris Jericho won the WWF Championship, but then had to give it back, unfortunately. Um, Oh yeah. But um, when that we've got a new champion from JR. And just everything that led up to that moment with the Jericho goading Triple H into the WWF Championship match, then introducing the APA to stand guard outside, then, you know, just everything that happened, if you've never watched it in its entirety, the whole segment in match is really good, and it's one of my favourites to, to this day. It's just a shame Jericho had to give the title back, really. Mm. Yeah, d- yeah. I mean, Jericho's debut as well is another one. Oh, yeah, it? absolutely. Jericho's yeah, that was one I was going to the next one. Yeah, definitely. <laughs> That has to rank up there. That that was big. Magsy says that that's one of his all-time... Mr. Magsy, I do chain wrestling with. Yes. He says that that's one of his all-time favorite wrestling moments. Definitely. And Jer- Jericho's one of his all-time favorite wrestlers. And when that happened, he said he was... You know, he goes back and watches <laughs> it on a regular basis. And just even now to this day, he talks about the goosebumps and yeah. so on that he gets. It's cool because like when the name flips over Jericho, the crowd just like explode. 
Like, because yes. nobody's ever heard that music <laughs> exactly. before. You've never seen the Y2J thing before at this point. And as soon as that Jericho name appears on the Tron, the place just erupts. And it's so hard to explain if you're not a wrestling fan. If you're not a wrestling fan, thank you for listening to the show. But more than likely, you're not listening to it. Um, but so, <laughs> it's a great moment. I loved it when he returned in, um, I think it was 2007, with the Save Us stuff as well. Um, one of my little Chris Jericho factoids I know is when he returned in 07, yes, he had shorter hair and it was a different Titan Tron and everything, but the vest he was wearing was made from the shirt that he debuted in in 99. Um, oh, why? So just that's my little factoid. I, I didn't know that either. Yeah. <laughs> so uh, Jer- this, I'm going to go on a side rant quickly. My, one of my favorite, one of my favorite wrestlers um, of all time is Jericho. Weirdly, my first ever favorite wrestler was Road Dog, purely because of the shake, rattling, roll. I didn't know what the hell I was okay. on about. Um, my mate got me a signed <laughs> um, picture this Christmas, actually just gone, which is really cool. But um, Jericho actually became my favorite wrestler before I'd even seen him wrestle. And that was playing WCW NWO Revenge on the N64. And Jericho, for some reason, I gravitated towards him, played him as his character on, N- on the wrestling game and liked that character. And not realizing then years later, I, a couple of years later, I then went up watching... Uh, WWE and Jericho's in WWF, not WCW. So I was like, you know, I was still learning at this point. So it was such a cool moment, really. Um, God, there's so many. Tyler, you got another one for us? Yeah, uh, real quickly, just going back to you guys talking about Jericho, you you brought up a, a fantastic point, both of you, that how not only did his debut mean so much more, it was so significant because I, I'll tell you why it was still. It was still in the midst of the Monday Night Wars. And, yeah. and it, you know, you would see a lot of the superstars go to WCW. Instead, they were starting to see, or at least part of me, we were starting to see the influx of a lot of those big-time talents like a Chris Jericho start showing up on the other channel for McMahon. So I, I think that's another thing, too, you can take away. that That's why he resonated so much with that debut, because we were, you know, seeing Hall and Ash and Hogan, you know, on the other channel, but we weren't seeing a lot of the guys. That, you got to remember, this is pre-Benoit Malenko jumping the Radicals. This was a, a big acquisition. Uh, so that's all I was going to insert there. My other big moment, gentlemen, is I'm a big Bret Hart fan. So I, I got to say, when he did the shoot promo on Vince McMahon, he shoved him. This is when Sucko Sid was the champion. The Undertaker shows up. Shawn Michaels gets involved. I mean, Sid and Taker fight. It's Michaels and Bret Hart. It, it's all the real-life issues coming to life and storyline, and they did it so well. This is where it blurred the lines, where you didn't know whether to believe it or not, but it suspended your disbelief, and, and this was the animosity between Bret and the company at the time well before the Montreal screw job. And this is kind of the crossover from that generation me era to the attitude era, the early stages when you think about it. And I love how we got more of the Hill Bret Hart. I, I just think as great as a baby face and a champion, he was, I loved him calling out the locker room. And, and this is back when he was feeding with Stone Cold Steve Austin. This is what set it off. So, and they, we all know the great matches and, and moments they had. So to me, man, Bret Hart being Hill, was some fantastic work, and that stood out to me as a moment for Raw. And there was multiple moments where he was such the villain, and he did so well in uh, combating McMahon and Austin and all the other top stars. That just shows you the versatility I I don't think a lot of people will talk about with the Hitman enough. So that's one of them, certainly. With regards to Brett, it's it's a funny one because when I think of Brett Hart, I always think about his his in-ring ability. You know, with regards to interviews and, um, I, I suppose, cutting promos and so on, I've never been overly convinced 
you know, but I'm a huge Brett fan. But Tyler, you're right. When he had those moments in 97 and he eventually went heel and we had the whole Hart Foundation, that to me was some of the strongest might work Bret Hart did in his whole career. Oh, I agree. I mean, that's what I'm saying. It just, he was convincing. It wasn't just this uh, routine babyface promo. Don't, don't get me wrong. He, he showed a lot of passion in those too, but it, it seemed like psychology wise and from a character development, we were seeing shades of a hitman that with that attitude, speaking of attitude era in an evolution of his overall gimmick that, you know, was speaking to fans, whether they reacted to a negative point of view or a positive with this uh, newer Bret Hart, it was working. I mean, he was getting it over. So that's a testament to the hitman. Um, I mean, whether you were a big supporter of his or not, you, you got to respect, you know, how that took, you know, that process part of me from being that super over good guy to this, this hated villain, especially as a guy that was in the States. I mean, he was playing that Canada versus the United States and, and pandering to, to Canada, which I thought was genius, you know, to your point. Was this one of the first, I believe this is one of the first times when you actually would go to Canada, like you'd actually have split reactions, wouldn't you? So even though he's the, the heel, he's getting like cheered. And obviously nowadays, when you, especially with WrestleMania, the Raw's after Mania tend to be, you know, very unique crowds, as they like to say in WWE. And they're having fun and all this, but they don't tend to cheer for the the good guys or they want to cheer for the back. Do you know what I mean? So is that one of the, I mean, yeah, I could be what wrong. It was. So is it one of the first times that had happened? I think uh, based on how WWE tell that, it, looking back in history, it makes they they make out that this is the first time they really had like a mixed reaction. Is that is I that think fair so. to say? I think so. I mean, it's it's the first one that there's really note. Yeah. Right. I mean, I mean, it's the first one everybody's kind of talked about. Now they've they've tried different things, I'm sure, but I, I can't remember. You know, like Sal was think saying, about and like Smith, for example. Yeah, yeah, that's a that great thing. That makes sense. Yeah. Problems, gentlemen. I do apologise. Oh, have we lost you, sir? Did we lose, sir? I'm, can you hear me now? Yeah, we can hear you. Yeah. Yeah. Sorry, I think I'm having a few internet problems, gents. I do apologise. Right, well, we'll, we'll, we'll power through. Yeah, we'll power through. Obviously, we know we're on a bit of a time limit, so we are rushing through these a little bit. But I want to get to a little bit of a surprise. I got at the end of the show for Sai and Ty. Hopefully. Nothing goes wrong internet-wise, <laughs> to be honest. Well, I, 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 don't, I don't know if you if you noticed me. I did drop you a quick message saying I'm okay for a bit longer than first anticipated. Now, oh, okay. So. No, I didn't see it, mate, because I'm too busy engrossed in the conversation. <laughs> but I appreciate it. Uh, no, <laughs> no man. Um, I mean, you mentioned it earlier, Ty. Uh, we'll move on to what um, you did mention it briefly. But obviously, by this point, I'm a bit more clued in of who people are in the wrestling industry in terms of America and WWE and WCW. When Eric Bischoff showed up on Raw... As the new GM of Raw, I, my mind at the time, just exploded with like, how the hell is this guy now the GM on Raw? How is this guy in WWE? It absolutely blew my mind that Eric Bischoff is now in WWE and well, <laughs> running the flagship show at the time. You know, um, absolutely. A, and you know what? He did a great job actually. To be honest, you look back at what he did for WWE. He done pretty good. But the stuff he did, because I, I must have watched that. Before the Monday Night War series came out on the network and all that kind of stuff, I watched the Monday Night War DVD, which is more of an overview of the whole thing, whereas oh. the Monday Night War thing sure. on WWE Network is a bit more in-depth. But I'm like, how is this guy working for WWE? My mind was like, <laughs> how is this happening? <laughs> you know? It's just blown. You know, and I know so I can speak to this, man. I, I'll tell you my reaction. 
I was uh, in shock too because you know I'd even watched Nitro and, and saw kind of the heel character of Eric Bischoff with the NWO, and you know you can say what you want to about the guy. He he did help out in a, a lot of ways and, and may have hurt in a lot of other ways as well. But as far concerning his character work, oh my goodness, you know similar to McMahon just on a different level. Uh, this was ingenious. This was very brilliant from a creative standpoint to bring in a guy that, you know, was just, he was your nemesis. I mean, you guys were going to war. I mean, McMahon was even playing on the sympathies of, uh, what was uh, transpiring with, uh, between the two companies that were battling for the ratings war and, uh, to have him <clears throat> embrace and introduce Eric Bischoff and, and Jr. had the line of the night. Are they going to pick each other's pockets? I'm paraphrasing. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, it, it was it was brilliant. So I can't wait to get Sire <laughs> and and more of your perspective, Benny, because that, that has to rank as one of the greatest moments. I mean, just see Eric Bischoff on WWE television, and you're so correct. He did such a great job uh, regarding his character work. You know, being someone the audience could stand, but yet they, they grown to appreciate. Cause when he got introduced back, what was it? Raw 25 with Regal and all the other GMs. Yeah. He yeah. got quite the reaction. I mean, they, he was over. I mean, he, cause people have a lot of fond memories that like we do of when Bischoff reigned as uh, the general manager of the red brand. Yeah, totally. I mean, that's actually on, on my list as well. Bischoff turning up in 2002. It just, it, it was just such a shocking moment, but there's a couple of other things that come into it as well. It's not just seeing Bischoff there. It's seeing Bischoff and McMahon hug on yeah. the stage after everything that had gone on previously. And then also what a banging entrance theme that is. That is a <laughs> great, great entrance theme, but Bischoff himself, I mean, he's, he's, he's a, uh, he was an announcer in the AWA. He was then, as he calls himself, a third rate or, or C-level announcer in WCW before he took, eventually got control. And, and, you know, he's he's been a, a booker and a businessman and the, the, the executive involved in WCW and so on. But as an on-screen character, how brilliant was this guy? In WWE, I can't speak to I can't speak to Nitro because I didn't really watch it. But on WWE, at first it took me a little bit to warm to him. I'm not going to lie, and it's even I was more like indifferent towards him initially because I was like, "What the fuck are you doing here, man?" I was really genuinely pissed. <laughs> and bear in mind, I missed out on the Attitude Era pretty much. So, but just watching the history of WWE, I was a WWE guy, WWF guy, I still am, I guess. But um, it was just like, what the hell? How how they blurred the lines, which we talked about earlier um, with the Eric Bischoff in uh, Vince. But I thought it was, I, you know, looking back at it, as he went on, I had more appreciation for what they were doing and what the the ultimate sort of like thing was for him to be in natural heels. To any WWE fan near enough, Eric yes. Bischoff walk yes. into that company a heel. Yes, well, one hundred percent. And I, I love the story Bischoff himself tells, where he's uh, he's sat at home, you know, he, he's not short of a few quid, shall we say? He's doing okay for himself, and he, you know, even at this point, he's he's you know working with different production companies and television yeah. companies, and and he's you know executive producer on certain TV shows. I mean, I think there was one that had a character from Happy Days or something like that he was promoting around this time. My timeline may be messed up there. I apologize if that's the case, but he was okay. But the opportunity to go back really you know, appealed to him. But then he had this realization, I'm paraphrasing a little bit, but he had this realization, as the story goes that he tells, that, oh crap, I've got to start dyeing my hair again. Because Bischoff has been, you know, a gray, gray-haired, silver-haired, whatever, 
since his days in the AWA. He was dying his hair, but Jet Black in the AWA before he even went <laughs> to WCW in the early 90s. And he says because his hair grows quite quick and he's on television, he has roots after four or five days. So he has to dye his hair at least once a week. Wow. And he said, he said that was the biggest thing that stuck out to him. Oh, no, I've got to stop dying. <laughs> Not that he's going to go and work for a former rival or <laughs> yeah, anything like that. Problem. Yeah. <laughs> but no, I, I like how you brought that up. So, when it's Scott Bayo who he was producing the show for? Ah, there you go. Brilliant. Yeah, spot and, on. And, and then Jason Hervey, he went into a production company with him from the Wonder Years. So I love how you're bringing up this in-depth history, both of you guys, because it's helping me remember. There's so mm-hmm. much there to recall that are just uh, wonderful memories. But, man, Bishop, you're so right. The journey from being that announcer starting in AWA and then being the announcer in WCW, the rise to power there, and him, you know, being in lawsuits uh, with McMahon and Jerry mm-hmm. McDivitt. I mean, he talked about it, you know, over tr- the trademark, the licensing, uh, the licenses, however, of both Scott Hall and Kevin Nash, the Razor Ramon Diesel characters. I mean, and uh, the things that he was saying was pretty provocative. A lot of people, even in WCW, didn't uh, they were a little bit weary of what Easy was uh, saying there about McMahon and challenging him to the fight at Slamboree. So there was no love loss between these guys or these these companies. And, and like Benny said, for him to come out, it was just so natural for him to be that hated villain. And he did so well at it. That, that's why I respect him so much. He just embraced the role because he he wasn't going to be an executive. He was there just as talent. And this time he could enjoy it yeah you know yeah, he could be yeah. himself didn't have to be no. the guy running it all the day or doing the day-to-day so he could like essentially an employee but yet still be around the the business that he seemed to love at the still at that time i guess um i gotta you mentioned yeah. there, tyler about the, the the king sorry king about the diesel and razor characters i know we're trying to be positive here but that's gonna be one of the worst moments in yes, history, yeah. isn't it i've seen it back it's, <laughs> it's not good that that that's bad. Uh, yeah, boy, talk about uh, bringing a lot of the bad moments. You just said it. So to have, and it was Kane, Glenn Jacobs before he was. Uh, you know, he was the fake Diesel. It was, and then I've, what was it? Rick Bosner who played Scott Hall's part, Razor Ramon, and yeah. and Jr. It was it was Evil Hill Jr. And as much as I hate the this segment, Jr. Actually, man, he's when he's passionate and he's doing like he is on commentary and cutting a promo that was based in reality. By the way, uh, you know. Bruce Pritchard backs it up when they were doing this segment. It, I mean, to me, Jr. was the bright spot of this whole thing, but it was terrible. I, <laughs> I get why they were trying to do it because they, oh, we own the characters, but I, I don't know. I, I felt bad for the guys having to betray them because it's like, how do they survive from that? And you know, fortunately for Kane, man, doing that brother angle with Taker did save him. But mm-hmm. uh, for the other guy, I'm not so sure. But boy, that was horrid. I mean, that was just talk about bad creative, just in bad timing. How pissed yeah, would you? How pissed would you have been, Bosner? Rick, Bos- Rick Bogner, Rick Bosner, how, uh, something like that. I, yeah, I don't know he, how. Um, yeah, he actually passed away not long ago. I oh, think, if my, if my memory serves, which is oh, a bit no. of a shame. But well, yeah, it's very sad. Yeah, how pissed? And, and you how, feel bad for him, you know? How pissed would you be if you brought tickets thinking you're going to see Razor and Diesel, and then them two fuckers <laughs> walk out? How pissed would you be? No, you get the wind. Oh yeah, Razor's coming back. Oh, what? De- oh, cool, man. I can't I'm wait to see the bad guy and everything. And then fucking, who the fuck is this? This is like a wish order. Yeah. <laughs> what about you, Benny? When, when, what else have you yeah. got for us? Oh, we back to me. Um, well, to be honest, I have got others, but like because you've mentioned, the, we've talked about Eric Bischoff. I think I went, didn't I? Didn't you all go, say? Si? 
Oh, is it really? Okay, I believe apologies. so. Um, it, well, it's funny that uh, Ty actually mentioned Bret Hart in '97. Mine, I've got, I've got two that sort of go hand in hand that uh, involve Bret Hart. The first one is Bret's actual return in 2010. Now that was that was spectacular. That was a real hell froze over moment after everything that went on with Montreal, all the stuff Bret said about the WWF and Vince, and it was never going to happen. It was never going to go back. And then it was the same night, I believe, TNA, uh, Hogan and Bischoff were in charge of uh, TNA wrestling at the time. They decided to go on a Monday night. Oh, yeah, they, they did try. Yeah, I do remember. Yeah, they, and I think their first episode on a Monday, mm. WWF or WWE, sorry, uh, advertised, yeah, Brett's coming back. <laughs> so it just destroyed them. Absolutely destroyed them. And even when they said Brett's coming back, I didn't 100% believe it was going to happen i thought we were going to get some kind of swerve or some kind of wwe um you know sticking their fingers up at us kind of thing but the possibility of it happening still made me stay up till one o'clock in the morning yeah to watch it <laughs> waiting just just to, you know and i mean because brett that's my childhood brett hart you know brett hart Shawn michaels all those guys see so seeing brett walk out oh my word that was just that, that blew my mind. I, I couldn't believe what I was seeing. That was on Bischoff level of shock. Yeah, see, um, I'm, oh, it was. I've never been a massive Bret Hart fan. I appreciate what he's done for the business. I appreciate every wrestler that's ever stepped in a ring, but I've never really resonated with Bret. But you talk about them doing a swerve. To be honest, I, at the time, I remember this vaguely, but I remember thinking, no, this is just a swerve. Because if you remember a few short years prior to this, Michaels and Hogan had a rivalry, and then uh, Michaels is the bad guy in Montreal. Yes. Um, in the ring, doing all the shit. Then, then um, I don't remember which way they did it, but basically he had Hulk Hogan's music come on, then, um, and then um, HBK's laughing, going, ha-ha, you thought he was here, basically. And then Bret Hart's music come on. The place erupted, and again, Shawn Michaels sold it well, looked shocked, and then went, ha-ha, he's not really here. And I, you know, that was... Fucking... That, when, when I said I've got two Bret Hart <laughs> moments that kind of go hand in hand. Oh, is that HB, it? HBK in Montreal is the other one, 2005. Oh, okay. Wow! Because whereas I didn't fully buy in to Brett returning in 2010 until I saw the guy on my screen, now, even when the music hit, I was a bit like, nah, I don't know. <laughs> uh, it, until I saw him on my screen, I didn't 100% believe them. In 2005, with Sean and his reaction in that ring and how the Montreal crowd <laughs> were just baying for his blood and he just, he, he proper just milked the crowd. It's yeah, such yeah. fantastic heel work. When Brett's music hit, I was up off my sofa. They worked me. <laughs> Again, wrestling fan who thought, thought he understands what's going on. You know, I'm not a kid at this point by any stretch of imagination. <laughs> but they got me. They 100% worked me. Because, I again, I adore Shawn Michaels. But when he started laughing... I, even I thought you bastard. <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> um, I personally, I like again with you out of the 2010. I didn't believe it until I saw him walk out. Mainly, probably because of what happened then. <laughs> but I remember watching it and laughing my ass off because I love stuff like that. When they got you going one way, and even though they got me, and he did get me because he sold that so well when Brett's music came on. Yes. When he started laughing, I actually said verbally out loud, and I apologise, although I don't apologise, we don't blink out swear words on this show, but what a, I'll change it. What a tool, basically, I'll say. Um, but it was a good moment. I mean, I'm sure you liked a, a Bret Hart returning, Tyler, in 2010? Oh, yeah. 
Yeah, for sure. That that was a moment where I'm I'm like you guys. I thought hell was going to have to freeze over for Brett to to forgive Shawn Michaels, just knowing all the politics and what transpired. You know, you go back and and look at their history. But I, I was glad because I, I like Shawn Michaels too. I, I may be a Brett fan, but I'm I'm one of those that respects what Shawn's done for the business. I mean, both those guys are, are two of the greatest performers ever, and and I think that's why they they disliked each other. They had a lot of things that that were similar and, and sometimes that'll happen. And uh, it was good to see them uh, bury the hatchet, so to speak. It, they they're on good terms. It appears now. And it, it was one of those moments. Yeah. I, I was shocked. I, I couldn't believe it. You know, Brett coming back after he was uh, critical of, of the company and, but seeing him and Sean have that moment was, was magic. And that cool. definitely has to be a highlight and one of the best of all time concerning raw or any of their shows. I mean, that was epic. I don't with cl- the uh, oh. sorry with with Sean coming out because he was still in DX at that time, wasn't he? In 2010, and he came out wearing the DX gear and and, and all that sort of stuff when Brett made his return. Yeah, I I, I was like I, I was sat there thinking, oh my goodness, this is my mind was blown. I can't even now. I'm, I I like to pride myself on being able to talk wrestling until the cows come home. Um, I like to pride myself on having a, a a fairly decent vocabulary, but even now I struggle to find the words for that moment, seeing Sean and Brett in 2010, 13 years after Montreal being stood in the WWE ring. Yeah. But it was re-shown. That brief little moment was re-shown on the 30th anniversary episode of Raw this week. Yes. Yeah. And when I watched it, my wife watched it with me and this is, she's watched less WWE than me. She is tired of the company and so on. But yeah, when that replayed, she said that was a good moment, and the, I'm going to try and quote her word for word here. But my wife Sharon, she said that was a good moment. But my goodness, didn't that hug look fake and forced? It did, yeah. It was, <laughs> uh, maybe not from Michael's point of view. Maybe he's a better actor. But Brett's face was like, yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. It was. Yeah, no, Brett I was wanted gonna... to get it over with. Yeah. <laughs> yes. He was. He was worried he's going to put back in the sharpshooter and lose another match or something, wouldn't he? To be honest, um, that's what's mm. going on there. But uh... <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it's a shame the way it went down the Montreal screw job it's been spoke about enough we don't need to cover it but it's a shame the way it went down but you can kind of unless you're that person you can't really say anything I guess but you can see it from Vince's point and you can see it from Brett's point so either way really <laughs> you can't really win I Benny, you're 100% right Benny it's a, it's a different show and it, we haven't got time to dive into it now yeah absolutely but I, w- I will happily join you and Tyler and whoever else you wish to to, to break down Montreal yeah okay it's one of my, it's one of my favorite we'll subjects get that so I'm happy it. to do that in the future I will pre-warn people I upset people because I do constantly say Brett screwed Brett but we'll get into <laughs> it another time <laughs> well speaking of that like, one of my moments is actually with Vince McMahon doing the speech of Brett screwed Brett Okay. To be honest, and just in a sense of, I think it's. I mean, not. I mean, I didn't see it personally because I wasn't watching them, but I've seen it back, obviously, and I got loads of tapes and stuff back in the day. So even though I wasn't watching it at the time, I saw like Hal and Sal and the Iron Man match and all that kind of stuff. So I feel like I'm not. I don't know everything, but I feel like I'm well versed in stuff that did happen. But yeah. looking just more, just looking back at it now, um, older and I wouldn't say wiser, just older. But um, it's just. It kind of it's the I feel like it's definitely one of those blurred line moments because yes he's doing an interview for the show, but how much of that stuff that Vince said is like genuine you know and I feel like ninety eight percent of it is probably how he felt in that moment in that moment in time. So, well, according to I, Bruce Pritchard on sorry Tyler I, I apologize. No, uh, you're you're fine. According to uh, Bruce Pritchard on his podcast, if I remember incorrectly, it's been a while since I listened back to the the episodes around that subject matter. 
when they sat down to do this, Vince said he wanted to defend the company. And when Bruce Pritchard said to him, well, what are you going to say? Vince kind of just said, well, I don't really know. And a lot of it was just kind of ad-libbed on, on the night. So Yeah. But he closed it yeah, with Brett, screw Brett, didn't he? So, yeah, sorry, Tyler, go on. No, you're, you guys, if I, all I was going to say, you're, you're bringing up some great points about that because I think Vince was legitimately hurt, too. And I think mm. that's why it was so personal because, and for Brett, too. And Because here's a guy that he, he bought out Stampede Wrestling and, and brought the hearts in. And this was one of the guys that he built the company around, him and Michael, uh, especially when Hogan left and, and all that. And, and to see that, hey, he may go to WCW. And, you know, Brett's been talking, which Vince knew. And, there was just so much going on that I, I think Vince just had to come out and say, like you said, Benny, and inside a Brett screwed Brett. You know, as much as I like Brett Hart, I, I have to look at the other side of yeah. it too. So th- th- that's all I'm, I'm kind of relaying. I, I think it's an educational conversation we're having. I know we're talking raw moments, but I, I'm with Sog. I, I definitely want to, you know, take a deeper dive into the Montreal Screwjob yeah. co- controversy. Well, I think we're going to have to do another raw look back at some point because we're not even scratching the surface and we're you know we're, time is getting away from us um but uh, tyler any more moments you want to we're trying to do one more each i think because of the time we've got left uh, that is not i know sure we've got we we just haven't got enough time to fit it all into this no, in the time slot so no but, it's um, fine i'm enjoying it the one moment because I, I do like comedy you know, it, it's sports entertainment with WWE is mankind introducing the rock to this is your life. Oh yes. Oh, great. Was, great. That, that was hilarious. Oh, it was hilarious. And you love the chemistry that these guys had anyways, as the rock and sock connection. And it just, it was great. Cause the rock just looked aggravated, but you know, how uh, comedic with his timing, not only a, a great wrestler for what he does, is Mick Foley. I mean, whether it's Mankind, Cactus Jack, Dude Love, just Mick Foley himself. It's just, it's tremendous. I mean, I can't recall the whole segment, but it's just great because The Rock's, you know, opening presents. I think there's an old teacher or somebody that <laughs> yes, there is, w- yeah. was a prop they, they, that they just brought in, maybe an old high school sweetheart. It was just stuff like that that people can relate to, even on, on a bogus level. So that, to me, I had to bring that up. The, the Rock and, and Mankind just had some great history together, and it was on Raw. So that, that yeah. definitely has to be a highlight for me. A segment that ran over as well, by all accounts. So, <laughs> so you know, we've started wow. it with this, and we've ended it with it. So, um, so great moment. <laughs> Mr. Rocco, great. What a sock to have, man, honestly. <laughs> so Yeah, and I, I wanted to have Rocco, too. Yeah. That, that's how much fans wanted to have a, a daggum sock for crying yeah, out yeah. loud. A sock that's, as well. That's crazy. <laughs> yeah. Um, a very popular tag team, considering their run together wasn't actually that long, to be honest. But you know, very popular. Um, no, it was. Sorry. Uh, well, first of all, I want to give a quick shout out to Goldberg's debut the night after WrestleMania 19. Mm. We didn't know it was going to go to shit at that point. No, no. <laughs> to be honest, I, I I had a funny feeling to be honest because uh, the spear didn't exactly look amazing on Rock, but um, but no, he did have some good moments. I think the the Elimination Chamber where he literally just destroyed everybody. It was an excellent match. And instead of him winning the title at Unforgiven, he should have won it in that, elim- in that Elimination Chamber match. Because the way they did it was brilliant. He's smashing the glass to get to Triple H and everything. Um, he should have won it that night, not at Unforgiven in a one-on-one yeah. for me. But that, you know, that's I retrospect. Mean, that, that, the Rock made that with his whole, I've got nobody to beat and the, you know, who's yeah, next, definitely. nobody, yeah, yeah. and then Goldberg. But uh, we can't, I suppose, uh, talk about 
great moments in Monday Night Raw history, even though we're kind of trying to avoid some of the more well-discussed moments and, and yeah, look yeah. at some of the sort of deeper dives. I mean, you've obviously got the one, two, three kid beating Razor Ramon in 93. That was a big historic moment as well and so on. But I think we got to look at the pipe bomb from CM Punk. Yeah, definitely. 2011, I want to say. It was just... Uh, as a wrestling fan, again, who who kind of thought I knew how the business worked and kind of uh, uh, thought I had an understanding of backstage politics and all this sort of stuff. I mean, now I'm much older, I realise I knew nothing. But at the time, I thought I kind of knew what was going on. Hearing somebody talk that way on a WWF TV programme was just again absolutely mind-blowing it was insane and the refer- referencing other companies referencing other titles yeah yeah just, and the, and the whole summer of punk was just it was groundbreaking stuff for me it was yeah and it was you can't um yeah certainly sorry ty no I, I was just gonna you know i was just agreeing I, I think it was ahead of its time it was uh something you you didn't hear or see a lot and, and man for CM Punk to do that I, I'm glad you remember that and you too Benny remember some of these moments because there's so many we can't fit it into a time limit uh, but man you, you've got to give CM Punk his due whether you like him or not that was some uh, great stuff that was more that, yeah. that kind of reminiscent of the Attitude Era when it's not the Attitude Era I, honestly I genuinely I, I could be wrong but I genuinely believe you can say what you want about Punk and everything and blah 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 now but at the, in that moment in time I felt that was a kick up the ass that the company needed, whether it was scripted or not, whether it was meant to happen or whether it wasn't meant to happen, whether it was a, a big work. I don't give a shit, to be honest. It was what we needed in that moment, in that point in time. And um, I think it benefited the company for about two or three years, to be honest, mm. while that was yeah, going I mean, on. So I, I think that just from going by, I mean, I, I, we keep mentioning a time limit. I want to apologize to everyone listening and, and to you fellas as well. It's me that's imposed a time limit on the show because I... I, I thought I had something to do. We can actually go a bit longer again now, gents. My, my time <laughs> thing keeps getting pushed back, so don't stress. It's okay. okay. But with regards to Punk and the timing of it, th- there's a few references I want I, I can draw upon from, from other people talking to me. And it's a lot of people I spoke to for the first podcast I had, the, the SJP wrestling podcast way back when, I spoke to lots of fans. Um, I think it was the first time me and you recorded together, Benny, was for that show. Uh, and, more than likely <laughs> yes and uh i think tyler you and i spoke on that show for the first time as well actually going way back when but, um, yeah we, we did yeah mm. but various people i spoke to whether they were wrestling fans such as yourselves or even uh uk-based independent wrestlers who wrestle for local companies around where i live in in gloucester in the uk there was two trains of thought with punk for not all of them but for a lot of them and a lot of people of a certain age in that they'd fell out of love with wrestling, but the CM Punk stuff brought them back in. And Mr. Mags is one of these. He missed a great chunk of, of wrestling. He just fell out of love with it. And the Punk stuff brought him back in to being a wrestling fan again. And also a younger generation just attached to CM Punk and won them over in the same way that maybe an Austin did for people in the Attitude Era yeah. or a Hogan did for people in the 80s. I'm not saying on the same money-making level of course. or on the same uh, level as, as being um, a, a draw at the box office as these guys. Of course not. These are two of the biggest names the business has ever seen. But Punk, if, a lot of people I've spoken to, it feels like they either hooked Punk in for, uh, sorry, Punk hooked them in for the first time or Punk hooked them back into wrestling again. 
So I think he's incredibly influential, Benny. I think you're really onto something with that point. Yeah, I just think it's a case of older fans like myself at the time. I I've always kept an eye on WWE. I you know I tune into especially when it around World Rumble time like we are now and Mania mm-hmm. and stuff. But I keep you know I watch socials and stuff and maybe not watch a show week to week. And I really fell out of love with the company probably around 2016 ish. Uh, for a little no no 2014 sorry to and then I came back in about 2016 watching it again fully um but punk definitely I think just reinvigorated people I think he voiced a lot of um things that people resonated with whether it be frustration with WWE or even frustration in their own lives so like you said with Austin the blue collar you know screw you boss i'll do what i want sort of attitude yes. so i think it resonated with people that maybe felt like i did indeed like screw the system a little bit because we're we're the ones you know making you profits people <laughs> where's my where's my slice so i think that's even though that wasn't necessarily what punk was saying but it kind of was if that makes any sense that's how i in- interpreted it anyway so um i think it makes sense yeah Definitely, I can't believe I, I. Not that I forgot about it, but I, it wasn't on my list for some reason. I have no idea why that wasn't on my list. It's, uh, there's so many to go through, though. Um, two I want to lump together very quickly, only because one's essentially a parody of the other. But um, Austin in the beer truck has got to be oh, mentioned, yes. and then Black obviously, class. and then obviously Kurt Angle a few years, more than a few years later, with the milk truck, <laughs> which they tried to recreate a few a few weeks ago or about a month ago. It didn't quite go over as well, but at the time, I loved the milk truck and I loved the beer truck. So. Um, one thing I do know about the beer truck incident is Austin actually tried to take a swig of the beer coming out of the hose and it damn near washed his uh, tonsils down his throat, his words, not mine. And then he, <laughs> and then he's cut out on TV, but then he's spraying. And I think after about two or three gallons or whatever it is, or a gallon or two, it becomes water. But the first few were actually beer by all, by all accounts. Fantastic. It sounds like some Stone Cold Steve Austin would do that. That sounds like <laughs> one of my cousins, you know, that I, they, they, you know, distantly. Uh, oh my goodness! <laughs> but yeah, no, some great moments. Um, I, I don't know whether we got time to go round one more time. Have we, Si? Have we got time for yeah, that? Sure, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah All right, we'll do that, and we'll do a little surprise at the end of the show here for you two, which they have no idea what's coming, and they're probably bricking themselves. Uh, so go on and Si, give us what we'll try and give us another one, a really good one, because we're getting towards the end of the uh, <laughs> the show here. Oh, I'll you, I've exhausted what I've written down. Oh wow! So okay, I'm just I'm just listening now to to you fellas talking. I I messaged uh, you earlier on, Benny, because you you shared an article that you wrote a little while back, and I messaged you after I read it, saying I just love hearing people talk about the nostalgia of how they got into wrestling and yeah, how they yeah. became fans and their memories and so on. I do as well, and, weirdly. And like this, this conversation I've, I've thoroughly enjoyed because of that. Uh, I've, I've got two very quick ones that don't actually come from me. Okay. Um, the first one is our good friend, Scottish Danny. He replied to the tweets that you put out for the show earlier on, or the SJP world media one and so on. Yeah. And this, this I think sums up Danny completely because he's, He's a lovely lad. I've got so much time for the guy. He's fantastic. And he's, he's brilliant on Nitro Nights on the SJP World Media Network looking at WCW. But his, one of his that stands out to him, and again, it's funny how certain characters resonate with different people, was on Raw 15 and Gangrel returning. For some reason, that really resonated with a, a young Scottish Danny, and it's one of his fondest memories, which I thought was really interesting. Yeah. No, that's a good shout to me. No, it is. I absolutely love the Gangrel music, by the way. Not that I really yes. saw it, but I love it. And I love the rope 
catching fire and all that kind of stuff is really cool. So I'm, I'm gutted I missed the brood, really. But, um, mm. you know, it kind of is. The other one does kind of link in with the brood, I guess. Uh, I actually, about two minutes before we started recording, I called my youngest daughter in and just asked her yeah uh what what are her memories of monday night raw and so on and she, she's a big wrestling fan but she's very much the, the aw side of the fence she, okay. she loves aw and the bucks and, and all that sort of stuff so as long as she's, she's watching wrestling mate that's all i care about oh yes oh yes <laughs> uh so there's a few things that i mean she she will watch the rumble and mania and the pay-per-views but the weekly tv not so much but there's a few moments she mentioned that really stuck out to her that actually turned out that none of them were on monday night raw they were on pay-per-views or whatever but the first one she came to with regards to Monday Night Raw, funnily enough, she's not old enough to really remember or have watched live or that week it came out anyway. Yeah. But it's from watching the network and, and so on. Yeah. And it was, I, I suppose, a little bit of a somber moment as opposed to some of the celebratory moments we've been discussing. It was Edge retiring. Oh, yes. Yeah. And she says that really stands out in her her young wrestling fans mind because she said it felt so real yeah. and made her feel so sad. And I thought from from my little girl talking that way, I thought that was, it just shows how, again, same with Danny and Gangrel and so on. Yeah. And Punk with the people that I mentioned earlier, how these these characters and then beyond the character, how these individuals who, who entertain us each week can really resonate with us at home. Uh, Daniel Bryan right. retiring as well. That was a uh, you know mm-hmm. uh, I, I I I'm not going to lie. There was a slight tear when Edge had to retire. Oh yes, it was, yes. I was like oh my god no. Um, yeah, um, you, you mentioned Twitter. I'm glad you did because I forgot about it to be honest. I'm terrible. But uh, Steve-O, a couple of because uh, I put out a tweet saying you know let us know your favorite moments and stuff. Steve-O did put every episode in early 1999 and late 99 into the early 2000s. The start and finish of each Raw was must watch. Um, obviously, he does his own thing, doesn't he, on Total Stevo? But he's watching the 2011 yes. stuff at the moment. Um, he's up to early June, but he said it's it's not it's not it's hard. It's actually atrocious in some cases. He's saying so. Um, the earlier stuff he likes, maybe not so much newer stuff. Um, there are some. If he's going to keep going from 2011 onwards, there's going to be a few dark years before he gets to about. Um, I want to say 2015, 2016-ish. So he's got a few years to to get through. Yeah. Don't get me wrong. There are moments within those that are really good, but there aren't many, unfortunately. Not that come I to want, mind. I want to quickly plug Steve-O as well, the, the Total Steve-O show he does. Uh, it's it's very much a solo podcast. He occasionally has guests on there. I, I've been on and spoke with him and so on. But he, he has various different topics. Sometimes it's music-based and just talking about his own experiences of going to gigs and getting into different bands at different yes, times yeah. in his life and so on. And there's the wrestling rewatches he does, as you mentioned, uh, Benny, going back at the moment and rewatching 2011 WWE. And there's been other occasions he's gone back and looked at Attitude Era stuff as well. Absolutely fantastic. Absolutely well, well worth checking out the Total Stevo show uh, and following at Total Stevo on Twitter to get yep. the links for that and, and listening to his content. It's such interest in hearing his opinions on a real broad scope of, of topics, really. An absolute top bloke as well. Cool. Um, yeah. Oh, sorry, go, Ty. I was going to say, what, have you got another one for us, Tyler? Yeah, I did. I was just going to second that about uh, uh, Steve-O, a very entertaining guy. Just follow the guy on social media. I'm sure his podcast is unbelievable. Uh, he does, do, he does, he does do a good impression of you, though, Tyler, doesn't he? We had that come through. Yeah, he does. Uh, yeah, he, he does. He, uh, I was flattered. Uh, I guess he gets me confused with Jimmy Stewart, but uh, I'll take it. Uh, that, that's all I was going to say. Love Steve-O, though. The, the few moments, and just real briefly, are 
DX invades WCW Monday yeah, Night Nitro. Moment. That that has to oh, be. Yeah. Uh, uh, I mean, when when road speaking of Road Dog, one of your favorites, Benny and and Triple H, X Pac, China and and Billy Gunner asking open the door and, and where's Mister Bischoff? And, and you know, there this is definitely when the rivalry was at its hottest, you know, both companies, you know, we've talked about the money now, where's that? That's for another episode, but <laughs> you know, that, that stuck out to me. Uh, speaking of Shawn Michaels, him super kicking Shelton Benjamin from the top rope. What a finish. Yeah. That's on my list credit as well. to both those guys. That, that, that was unbelievable. I mean, I, I've seen some great finishes that were creative. That has to be up there that, <clears> you know, uh, to see Shelton Benjamin think he won up Shawn Michaels, but all he was doing was, uh, going right into sweet chin music was just perfect. Yeah, was gold, so that, that's just my final moments. Yeah. yeah. Gold rush tournament was a great idea. I think they need to do, I love a tournament every now and again. I'm liking the SmackDown tag team tournament at the moment. Uh, for the tag SmackDown tag team titles on uh, obviously on SmackDown, um, I'm gonna I'm gonna mention a, I want to wonder how many of you actually remember this because I think this is this doesn't even get played on like the memorabilia sort of side of like it wouldn't have been even been played, you know, on the 30th anniversary show. It wasn't played on the thousandth or anything. For me personally, when Christian came back to WWE, I loved it. Um, it was it was cool to see him back as that uh, you know he went into the ECW thing at the time, then he came onto the main roster, but. A match that actually is really quite good. Now, ironically, is a bit of a sorry, so I apologise. But basically, Edge and I believe Randy Orton in a rivalry, and they did a thing where they can pick your poison match. Great, that's fine. So Edge is in the ring. Randy Orton comes up on the state uh, up on the Titan Tron and says, "So I'm paraphrasing, but basically says, uh, I've chose your opponent tonight. You're going to be blah blah blah, whatever." And then. Oh, I may be misremembering this bit, but anyway, Christian ends up coming out. So it's Edge versus Christian, which we hadn't really seen since probably 2001. Christian's now back in the company a couple of years, and they put on a damn good match. It ain't a very long match, but it's a pretty good match, to be honest. Edge gets away with the win, just about. And then Randy Orton reappears on the Titantron and says, good match, good win, Edge, but I don't know what Christian's doing out there because that's not the opponent I picked. And then the gong goes off, and it's Undertaker coming to the ring. Oh my goodness! <laughs> so um, <laughs> it ends up not being a non-match anyway. But in the moment, if they're like, I don't understand why Christian's out there because he's not who I picked. <laughs> the whole place erupted. Brilliant. It was such a cool moment, and I was like, "Oh, this is cool." But I we got to see Edge versus Christian, which I was kind of clamoring for, maybe like a rivalry between those two a little bit in the in the way because Ed Christian had now. Edge had separated himself into that main event sort of status world heavyweight title, and Christian did it in TNA and ECW. But to see them come together in this more this different light of being almost like heavyweights now, I thought would have been really cool to have a better rivalry. But unfortunately, we never really got it. And then obviously, as Sai mentioned, um, you know, Edge had to retire. So it's one of my favorite moments, but it's not one that's really sort of talked about, you know. Again, it's funny how these things resonate with different people, isn't it? And things stick in your mind, you know. It's uh, and that's the beauty of 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 pro wrestling, I guess. There's so much out there for everybody. Yeah, there's so much yeah. more. Go on, Tyler. Yeah, that that's the thing. I mean, that, that's why I love this conversation with you guys. I, I'm starting to get memories flooding back again of just why we are wrestling fans, why we love this stuff. And, you know, I want to thank you guys, man. This has been a blast. I love doing this kind of stuff. 
because we, we we go back in time and we revisit them and it just mm. it's just great nostalgia. It's hard to think that we're thinking of the early two thousands as nostalgic. Used to it was the eighties, the nineties, even before the seventies. But it's true. I mean, it's it's been enough time gone by and man, yeah, thirty yeah. years of raw. Great great topic to to yeah, recall yeah. moments and yeah, we we haven't even scratched the surface like you guys were saying. <laughs> we we've got to do a sequel. We'll Hell probably have yeah. to do a, a you know some more. We're gonna have to yeah, do I'm something. Up for it. I'm up for it. We're gonna have to do something because we've barely scratched. We've like gone into a skyscraper and we've only just gotten to level two. Basically, we've not even and there's still like ninety three floors above us. You know, we've not even got there. Uh, I want to quickly mention Eddie Guerrero versus Rob Van Dam in two thousand two in a ladder match for the Intercontinental Championship. Uh, one of my favorite matches. Um, and also quickly Triple H returning in two thousand and two. After having uh, touring that quad for the first time, bearing in mind, oh my goodness, how did I not have that on yeah. my list? I love that. <laughs> to, to, to the guy yeah, left huge. as a full-on heel, and he came back a babyface just because fans wanted him back in WWE. So you Madison can... Square Garden, yeah, just the shaking. It was amazing. There's always retractors. There's always people. Cool, oh, but he married the boss's daughter and all this bullshit. All right, uh, like, who cares? Maybe, yeah. maybe true, was... but he wouldn't have got that reaction, would he, if he wasn't good at what he does? Exactly. He made it stick. Basically, is what I'm saying. Um, he's a hall of famer for a reason you know this booking stuff isn't very easy as he said this <laughs> so yeah I, lo- I love how he said that that, yeah. that was great perfect <laughs> yeah. cool man I appreciate you both coming on um, I've got a little surprise here for you two at the end um, you're probably going to both hate me off the air even, maybe even during I don't know right so um, we again we've barely scratched the service follow the show at in the corner WWE we'll do your guys socials in a minute on uh, in a minute at the end of the show, but I want to say thank you for both for jumping back on. Um, and so it's been a while. To be fair, I know we recorded the other day for some other stuff, but it's been a while since we've sat down and spoke wrestling. To be honest, so I appreciate yeah, you I'm, making time. I've had a blast, mate. I've had a blast. Thank you so much for inviting me on. I've really enjoyed it. Uh, um, uh, Tyler, and once again, you're back on the show, mate. You know, we had a bit of a break. I got suspended. Yeah, that's the truth. <laughs> uh, I did. He, he was put me on suspension. No, I'm teasing. No, hey, no. It's always a blast, man. I, I concur with Cy. It's great to have Cy with us. I, I know you guys have had a great history together, and I, I'm just happy to be part of the network, man. I, you know, uh, what happened, Cy was not happy with my booking, and he's like, I've got to get him <laughs> on some shows. This guy's, he's floundering. Oh, we we, we got to get him some ratings. It, we we got to bring legends like Benny Mac and Cy and Scottish Danny <laughs> you know, to the program to help him because uh, he's a new star. We got to elevate him. That, that's, that's how <laughs> I took it. Uh, but seriously, I, I love you guys. You know, I'm picking at you, but my compliments are uh, honest. I mean, I, I just, I'm having a loads of fun. I pre- don't worry about it, man. We appreciate it. I'm glad Simon suggested you. So well, enough, enough of this love fest <laughs> quickly. I appreciate <laughs> it, but uh, let's move on quickly. Um, so I've got a bit of a, a, literally a three question quiz for you guys. Okay. And it's raw related. All right. All right. Um, so if you, uh, so basically, if you know the answer, sh- say your name. Okay. So say, so Tyler, you go Tyler, and then Sai would go Sai. All right, or whatever. Right. Um, okay. So there's three questions. Obviously, potentially, you could both get none right, but there is a potential for a winner here. If you get it correct, I'm hoping you guys can still hear this. If you if you get it correct, you'll hear this. Okay. Everybody hear that? All right. Yep. Okay. If you get yeah. it, if you get it wrong. Okay, <laughs> so for the first time ever on In The Corner, I used to do this on my radio show, mate, we used to do quizzes, so the first time ever on In The Corner, we are going to do a WWE Raw-related quiz with uh, Tyler and uh, Simon, and they're probably both, yeah, they're sending me messages now, they both hate me, but here we go with the quiz. <laughs> yes, I got the music. <laughs> <laughs> Fantastic. 
Right, okay, so shut your name out if you know the answer, okay? What year did Brock Lesnar return to WWE after his stint in UFC? I have not tripped you up on the first question, surely. <laughs> yeah, Tyler, uh, was it 2011? So Tyler says 2011. What? Incorrect. Side, you want to throw a guess in there? Uh, 2013. Oh, my God. What? what? 2012. Oh, damn it. <laughs> <laughs> uh, it was 2012. Neither one of you got it right. Oh, oh no. Man. <laughs> oh man right we've got two left guys <laughs> this could end up being a draw <laughs> <laughs> oh, pardon me who was the second ever universal champion sorry sorry no no, I'm thinking some arse. I'm going to Universal champion. First, so the first ever Universal champion, I'll tell you, was Finn Balor. But who Finn was Balor, the yeah. second? The second, I think, then were... Oh, I'm going to say Seth Rollins. What? Um, what? I'm afraid that's wrong. Tyler? Kevin Owens? Yay, we got one right. <laughs> Thank God for that. <laughs> so, right, you should both know this. I would be very disappointed if you don't, to be honest. I'm not going to lie. Question three. And so you could draw this up. <laughs> I don't have a tiebreaker, so no pun intended, because I wasn't expecting it. <laughs> so here we go. <laughs> what year did Monday Night Raw first air? Sorry, 1993. Hey, damn it. We got a draw. There you go. Yeah, there we go. <laughs> we got a draw. Do we do we want to leave it as a draw, or do we want to? Do you want me to find another question? <laughs> go on, then. Let's embarrass me one more time. <laughs> <laughs> I haven't got any more questions, mate. To be honest with you, I only did three because I thought we'd only have time for three. Hang on, uh, quiz. <laughs> let me let me. I'm going to Google it because I can't. Oh, see, you'll both know that one as well. That's. Uh, um, hang on, I'm trying to find a question. Bear with me, people. Talk amongst yourselves. <laughs> <laughs> no, I, I'm having fun. Hey, so I don't feel bad. I, I got lucky with Kevin Owens. Uh, the, the fact was, I saw the highlights from uh, the best Raw moments, or I want to oh, know. Oh, okay. Uh, okay. <laughs> yeah, so there, there's my cheat sheet. Yeah, so if anybody wants to know, you know, they, they credit me for knowledge. I'm like, I Google stuff. That That's what it is. <laughs> it's not enough. Uh, here we go. I got, I've, got, uh, I, I've, like... I've got a question. All right. Are you ready for this? All right. For the win, okay? okay. For the win. The same rules as apply as before. Hey, yo. Which of the following championships has John Cena never held? WWE Tag Team Championships, WWE World Tag Team Championships, the United States Championship, or the Intercontinental Championship? Sorry. Ooh. Intercontinental Championship. Oh, we got a winner, ladies and gents. Congratulations, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. To Sir Pal there, man. <laughs> Thank you very much. <laughs> we have a winner for the first ever in the corner quiz. Maybe I should have left it as a draw. It would have made everybody feel a bit better. But we needed a winner, and we let the boss win. No. We'll, we'll get a bigger check <laughs> when it comes in. <laughs> yeah, we get the money. <laughs> <laughs> oh, mate, it's been fun chatting to you both. Um, obviously, Tyler, I will see you tomorrow. We're back again tomorrow talking some Raw yes, and some Raw Rumble. Back. Uh, where, I look forward to it. Mate, I'm looking forward to it. Uh, Sorry, where can we find yourself on the old socials before you go? 
Well, anything I'm involved in, my friend, you can find via SJP World Media. And that's on Facebook and Twitter, at SJP World Media. That's the network social media links. And all the shows that the network carry, uh, carries, apologies, uh, you can find via those links. So search it up, make sure you follow, subscribe, and all that great stuff on all your podcast players. And there's there's programs looking at tv music uh you boys are involved in some fantastic content on on the network as well so there's loads going on so yeah at sjp world media for that thank you very much so tyler obviously you'll i'll see you tomorrow but where can we find you where can we find your stuff man uh yes you can find me on at Twitter at Dustin Teller 86, uh, also wrestlebuddy.com where I, I write some articles and, and involved in some podcasts there. Uh, Geek Buddy, the sister website as well. Like I said, I, I joined you, Benny, on In the Corner. And uh, of course, with uh, Scottish Danny, also another uh, shared co host of ours on Back When. And uh, I'm on the Rewind Wrestling Radio podcast, Standing Strong with Waylon Myers, the Uncensored Wrestling Podcast. And I'm like Jericho, I need a list, but I'm very thankful for it. <laughs> and uh, yeah, I got to plug, plug all those great projects. So thank you. I am enjoying. I am genuinely enjoying your weekly report over on Russell Buddy as well. It's, it's very. Uh, it's very good, I mate. To be fair, uh, very cool to watch. Uh, very quickly before we go on on the note of uh, enjoying certain things, I want to say a huge thank you to both of you fellas for the work you put in to the network, the work you put into this show. Again, like I said, the reason I keep up with WWE, the, the way I keep up with WWE is by listening to this show. So I want to thank you both so much. I mean, Benny, the solo stuff is awesome. Tyler, you know, I'm a massive fan of everything you do with regards to this show and back when with Scottish Danny and so on. I, I absolutely love In The Corner. It's it's superb. And I hope it just continues and continues and continues. Absolutely brilliant show, gents. Thank you so much for having me on. Thank you very much for letting us do it, man. And I appreciate. Oh, hopefully, yeah, that, hopefully, we can get that Montreal podcast going, or maybe another Raw one. Because, like you said, ladies and gents, we have barely scratched the surface tonight. Just talking a bit of Raw, we barely—I think we only got about ten or eleven out ourselves. I think, to be honest, if that. So I don't even know. But uh, no, it's been great to chat to you both. I very much appreciate it. Uh, we will be back tomorrow. Me and Tyler talking some Raw and some Raw. We're getting our Raw Rumble predictions in. What we think is going to happen, and hopefully enjoy the show Sai thank you very much Tyler also thank you very much and follow the show at In The Corner WWE on Twitter email the show in the corner WWE at gmail.com and we'll see you all on Thursday 